Welcome back, Billiken fans. It's Zach Miller and Peter Hale. This is the Midtown Madness podcast. Uh, Pete, it's it's been a minute. Uh, it feels like longer with the amount of uh, stuff that's happened in, in the world of Billiken athletics. Yeah, it does. And it's funny because we texted each other a week ago and we're like, well, do you, do you want to record? And we really didn't have anything to talk about. And then over the course of the next seven days, it was just one news story after another. And, and we've got a pretty, pretty overstuffed show today. Yeah, I think, uh, I think we're going to lead it off here with really, I think the first thing that came out after we recorded, uh, and that was the Arch Apparel drop. Um, Pete, go ahead and run down kind of the, the background, I guess, as we know it from how this how long this had been going on and um you know just the whole story i guess yeah i mean it sounds like it was a couple of years in the making um we know that slu has has really finally started to come around on getting some of the uh the outside apparel brands involved you know we've had the uh the nike um replica jerseys finally we we got the the home field uh release last year um, and we knew a few other things were in the works and, and had heard that Arch Apparel was one of those, um, but it didn't finally actually end up happening until until last week. Yeah, Arch Apparel has had kind of, Arch Apparel is a brand, really, it, it felt like when Arch Apparel came out, Series 6 came out as well. Mm-hmm. Both St. Louis-centric brands, both we're putting out similar products. Uh, it feels like Series Six has gone more towards the uh, the guys like us, the the guys that are post college, quite a, quite a bit post college. Uh, I know if people can believe I actually it was that long ago. I was in college. I really truly can't believe it's been almost ten years. Um, but our yeah, Series Six went there. And Arch Apparel kind of went a little more, they skewed younger in their demographic, a little more urban. I, I think so. Um, you know, and, and actually my sister worked there a few years ago, um, kind of helping them launch some of their new stores. Cause I know they, I, I believe they started off as an online only uh, retailer and then they, they've opened a couple brick and mortar stores since then. Um, and, and yeah, I think like, both of these companies, I think what they try and do is they have a lot of kind of local flavor to their merchandise, super local, like all St. Louis oriented stuff, but it's a lot of like unofficial stuff, right? So they'll kind of use Cardinals colors and, you know, they might give you kind of a hint of what a Cardinals baby blue 80s throwback was with red trim. And they'll kind of incorporate that into the, the design of something that doesn't actually use official logos and, and word marks and things like that. Um, so the SLU thing is a little bit of a departure in that they actually do have a partnership with SLU. They are using official logos, word marks, et cetera. So it's, it's a little bit different, but like you said, it definitely has a younger appeal. And it's kind of funny because a lot of the, the this SLU release to me kind of looks like 90s-ish designs. You know, it's kind of a child of the 90s myself you know, really big, bold colors, large format designs. Um, But like, look, I mean, I live like a mile from a huge college campus and kind of see the kids walking around in 
quite frankly, t-shirts that look like they were made in the nineties, like oversized baggy, huge design t-shirts that seem to be like very much part of like the younger generation streetwear today. Yeah. I, I think I even texted you an, an eBay find, yeah. uh, behind the scenes. I often just unsolicitedly sent or send links of things that I find online that are billikins just, just to Pete, just not, uh, and you commented on the sweatshirt. Yeah. It looks a lot like the arch apparel stuff. I mean, yeah. and, and, although it's clearly the sweatshirt is clearly a, an actual nineties ish vintage. Yeah. This was back when the, uh, and I said this to you and I, I, we didn't really go into detail, but like there was a time when the Billiken was gold or bronze. Yeah, like they kind of played with some different colors there for a minute. They did. Uh, but to to further go into this Arch Apparel drop, uh, Arch Apparel has, you know, like like Peter said, they'll do with soccer. They have done the pink and the navy for STLCFC, but they, they have collabs with right now with Nelly, Albert Pools, Stan Musial, and Bud Select. That's a smattering of, uh, of collab, like just very different uh, locations in the pop culture uh, stratosphere. But, I, you know, let's, let's go into the collection right now because there, there's, it's, it's different. It is definitely different. It definitely skews younger and we're a couple old men yelling at clouds sometimes. <laughs> uh, we can be, although we try to, try to accept uh, new styles. Um, or I, we like to think we we're still young at heart. Um, what did you like here? Uh, what, what, give me two designs or two products that you, uh, definitely would buy. Yeah. So that's an easy one to answer because I actually did buy two. Um, and I would, I would wear them right now if they'd arrived yet, but they haven't. Uh, the first one is the Heritage Patch Jacket. Um, a lot of people will kind of recognize the style as kind of like an 80s, 90s, kind of like it, it's, uh, it's a snap jacket, little puffy, and it's got the, um, you know, the ring uh, the collar and wristbands and, and kind of waistband with, uh, with two white stripes on navy blue. And it's got a cool patch. Uh, St. Louis University Billikens with that mid 70s to mid 80s Billiken crown logo um, that I like so much. So that was one that stood out and that I, I bought pretty much right away. And then I also bought one of the black hats. It's just black with huge blue letters that says SLU, which is the same design they've incorporated into a few other uh, pieces in what looks like a 16 item collection. Uh, so what about you? Anything in here that you uh, that jumped out at you? Um, well, I wanted to say that that heritage patch jacket would be a thousand times cooler if it said St. Louis diagonally scripted on the back. Like, <laughs> yeah. I genuinely think my uncle had uh, a jersey, uh, uh, not a jersey, yeah. a jacket that looked exactly like that. Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I had one as a kid from my, uh, I think it was a cousin who played like club hockey for Merrimack Sharks or something. And it said like Merrimack, exactly as you're describing, like uh, diagonally on the back. Uh, I think mine, they're my, the, the ones that stood out to me are the basketball Billiken tee, the Billiken spinning the basketball. It's uh, he's wearing, he's actually wearing uh, 
you know, baby blue, which we have not seen the Billiken, uh, Billiken Athletics embrace in decades. Yeah, a really long time. You know, it's it's funny because SLU High has really embraced that kind of two tone right. um, with a with a baby blue and then a darker blue. Um, but the university's gone full on like the royal blue. Um, but it's it's pretty cool actually. I really like that that era that Billiken logo. And speaking of baby blue, that leads me to my next one, which is the since eighteen eighteen crew neck uh, sweatshirt. I I love it. Um, it reminds me of something, you know, I would have, again, would have going through my uncle's closet. It's something I would have found and he would have worn to games, you know, when I was, when he was taking me growing up. So it really hits that nostalgia itch for me. Um, right. And you know, it hits me right in that right spot. Um, the, the funny thing about the, the t-shirts that just say slew, they remind me of the old school. I, I can't remember if they were like, uh, like freshman giveaway shirts or Blue Crew giveaway shirts back when it was called Blue Crew. Do you mm. remember like they used to look like I've seen many people now that have graduated still rocking that shirt. Uh, yeah, that which they, is the giant white letters. Yeah, which is yeah. funny because it's it's such a basic shirt, but everybody had one of those from a, at a certain age. Uh, that went to slew, I guess. Um, what, what maybe kind of didn't scratch that itch for you? Yeah. Well, you know, some of these other ones, like, um, <laughs> the, the color block crew neck, um, have that right in front of me. Yeah. Which is like the, it's, it's a, like a straight line down the middle. It's blue on one side and it's like a really light Heather gray, almost white on the other with baby blue slew lettering. Um, it's cool. It's fun. It's not something I would ever, I can, like, I can't think of any context where I could pull that off except maybe a game. And even then, uh, I don't know how much confidence I would have wearing it. Uh, that's just something, uh, yeah, that's just not for me. <laughs> I, I wonder what a whole arena would look like if everyone was wearing that. Oh, that'd be fun. That would be fun. <laughs> just everybody's like wearing idea. a split shirt. Yeah, God, that would be weird because you know they do like the checkerboard design at football right. games. Section each section is supposed to wear a color. That would be wild, I think. Yeah, yeah. What about what about you? Anything here that you're just like, nope, not it. Well, I mean, I, honestly, that that one really uh, was my my choice as well for things that didn't, you know, that I didn't really like and. I gotta say, I don't really like this like Billiken with St. Louis and the stars. Mm. I don't really understand the stars. I don't. It, it, maybe that's something way out of bounds that I don't have any clue existed in the past. Uh, but I just didn't get it. Um, mm -hmm. I think like the foam hat. It's not like like we talked about it right before we started recording. Like, yeah. Foam hat to me. Foam trucker hat is a bachelor party hat. Yeah, it's uh, like uh, like Ozark's bachelor party weekend, you know. Yes, it's, it's, yeah. yes. Um, uh, you know what I will say? I I really like the I like the idea of the long live Humphreys uh, items, mm -hmm. uh, but I gotta be honest. If I if I wore one of those items into Humphreys, it would be destroyed. Yeah, going with a white color palette for the hat and um, the sweatshirt is again that Heather Gray that's almost white. 
I, I feel, I looked at that and was just like, oh, I would get so stained immediately. I think of that because I have kids who are gross and who climb all over me all the time with like food stained hands. And I just, I, yeah, I don't wear much that that's, that's that light in color. Yeah. I, I think like we said, I think this, this, this stuff, like, I, I don't think either of us really were blown away or even, I, I mean, we probably weren't even over half positive, uh, or help me out. I'm trying to, we both didn't really love it. Like it didn't do much for us. Yeah. And I think part of that is it's just like, oh, this isn't for me, you know, and that's fine if it yes. sells and if it is, if it does really have its audience, um, yes. I hope it finds its, its correct audience. I'm totally fine with it because one of the things I think is important about SLU rolling out all these different lines is um, they can be more things to more people as opposed wow. to just the sort of like generic cuts, styles, everything you're going to find in a bookstore. Um, they can really branch out and do some different things. So if that's what this is, even though it's mostly not stuff that I would mm -hmm. wear myself as a, you know, 39 year old dad, um, I think it's probably, uh, if, if it can find its audience, then I'm all for it. Yeah. And I think that was kind of what I was getting at and that it doesn't matter what we think. Yeah. It really doesn't. And, and I can sit here and say that I don't get the stars with the St. Louis and the, and the Billiken head. And I don't really get the foam hat. I don't really get the, the half and half, but somebody is going to, and, and hopefully, and, and, and it probably is that college kid. Um, you know, that kid that's going into SLU, right. That, that's, you know, maybe a local going to be a freshman happens to go to a bird's game or, Happens to stop in Arch Apparel. Like, they see these shirts, like, oh, like, that's cool. That's something I would wear. Uh, that's really what matters at the end of the day. And, and hopefully, like you said, it finds its audience. But uh, I think I will, uh, I'm going to have to do some, some moving of funds around uh, and, uh, and get either this Billiken tee, this basketball tee, or the uh, Since 1818 crew neck. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's great. It, it's good for SLU to, I mean, the more diversity in the products and the options for fans, the more you're going to see, and, and the more volume you put out in the market, the more you're going to see people show up to games in Billiken Blue. Because I, while I, we could all sit there and say, God, these people show up in red, they show up in other schools' colors, and I'm, I hate it. I hate it. Drives me up a wall, but you've got to, you've got to saturate the market to a point so that people can find your stuff. And I, I mean, I, I, I'm not a huge fan. I, I will never ever buy a Billiken item out of Walmart. Well, I won't say never, but more and cause they'll probably have like slides like sandals at Walmart if that ever happens. So I'd probably buy those. But like, I'll, I probably wouldn't buy anything from Walmart, but I wouldn't mind seeing it in Walmart because now you're reaching another audience. Right. Uh, and, and that's, that's kind of my verdict on the whole deal. I don't know how you feel. Yeah, I agree with all of that. And I think the bottom line for me is if I don't see you in this crop top at a soccer game this fall, I think it'll all be a, a disappointment. 
Uh, <laughs> you know Arch- that the Arch Apparel. That- if Arch Apparel, if you send me that crop top, I will wear it <laughs> to a women's soccer game for Pete. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it it would be unfair to the athletes, you know, with you drawing all the attention away from them. But um, <laughs> but if anybody was made for a crop top, it's this guy right here. I I will stand behind the goal on the opposing if, if the opposing <laughs> team gets a penalty in a crop top, and I'm sure they will miss. Uh, well, we we haven't even gotten past our first segment, and we've gone off the rails. Um, <laughs> Uh, let's move into some uh, targeted men's basketball talk, and and targeted's kind of a, a good word for the uh, this transition because uh, the, they got their white Goodman on, uh, they got their uh, Peter Lafleur on. Uh, there was no patches O'Hulahan in sight, but the Billikens were playing dodgeball. Peter, they played a little dodgeball last week. It, it looked like they were using volleyballs. Am I right there? They're, they're... Yes, those. I and I, I, I wonder if Ken Miller has something to say about that. <laughs> uh, no, I would imagine honestly they probably uh, used uh, balls that have been put out of commission long ago. Yeah, yeah, that was fun though. They shared a, a little uh, social media video of them playing uh, uh, some some dodgeball, split the team in half, and uh, and got some dodgeball action going. I'm I'm you know, very limited highlights. So we didn't see how it all went down. But uh, if you're if you're looking at splitting the team up and doing a couple dodgeball teams, who are you picking on our roster to be those team captains? Oh, who, you didn't do it to me. Who's who's slippery? You know, who's who's going to be able to, to really dodge those things? Who's got good hands for uh, for catching uh, those fastballs? Who's got the best arm? You know, well, well. I think the quickest hands we're talking, you know, Yuri Collins and Gibson Jimerson. Uh, first of all, Yuri Collins is great at misdirection. You know, he, you got to watch him at all times. Cause you don't know, you know, maybe he has one behind his back. I don't know. He's slippery. Uh, Gibson Jimerson, obviously quick hands. He can catch and shoot. <laughs> he could maybe catch and return it. You know, mm-hmm. um, I think, uh, I think Momo, really skinny, small target area. I'm just saying. Um, by the way, this was not planned at all. We're, I'm shooting straight from the hip here. Um, whew, who else? Who else? Who else? Kellen Thames, man. He showed a lot of athleticism. Uh, I, I need that on my dodgeball team. Yeah. Um, man. Uh that's Collins Collins used to play baseball didn't he yes he did he did play he 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 actually uh I think he posted on insta his instagram story he was watching one of the the baseball team games yeah I think so I think he'd definitely be one of my captains because I think he's got that baseball still in him uh you know he's a smaller target uh we know he sees the floor really well he sees everything so you you know you're going to be able to rally around him um, I kind of would like to see what sincere Parker could do. I feel, I feel like he's got the right blend of athleticism for a dodgeball game. I think, uh, uh-huh. I think that'd be interesting. Uh, yeah. I like your pick of Thames too. I think, uh, I think that's a good one. Yeah. I, for some reason I could see Kramer being good at dodgeball too. He's good at like the weird little side sports, you know, I think he'd be good at that. Yeah. He, I don't know. I'd be interested in Kramer. He, 
he's uh he he does like his like weird stuff you know yeah wordle and crosswords crosswords he, he would be he would be like an intramural sports hall of famer if he uh if he were allowed <laughs> uh he that that's that was my dream and i failed um they're at, it's not all fun and games obviously uh with what's happening inside the billiken uh training camp and i call it a training camp because they're heading on a foreign trip and uh they're heading to europe uh the last this past week starting on sunday uh two open practices uh they had their first like i said on sunday july 31st at 3 p.m and the next one will be friday at 5 p.m uh pete i'm gonna turn let's let's turn this around you mentioned wanting to turn this around uh flip the script a little bit on our roles here for a minute yeah, let's do that because you were the one who was actually able to attend the practice. And to kind of to kind of back this up, you know, SLU is allowed one or SLU college programs are allowed one foreign trip where they can play games overseas in the uh, in the summer leading up to a season or early fall. Like I, I'm not really sure if there's a time constraint on it. And then they get ten additional practices to prepare for that trip. As part of those ten practices, they decided to open up two of them. And, uh, and Zach got to go to the first one on Sunday, uh, July 31st in the afternoon. So coming into the event, Ford was saying, um, you know, he had a couple players out, illness and injuries. Um, they were mostly going to do shooting drills um, with the idea of having a larger scrimmage on, on Friday when they get back together on the 5th. Um, you know, he, he was kind of giving his general impressions of the team, saying he's concerned about rebounding and getting some help for Yuri Collins to kind of run the team. Um, so, so this practice wasn't going to give us the, the, the best picture of, of what the team was going to be like, cause it was going to be mostly drills. And then you had Okoro who was out sick and Jake Forrester had to run back home uh, to Pennsylvania for something. But what, what were your just general impressions, um, Zach, of, of what the, the open practice was like? Well, I, I did obviously find it interesting and I know, uh, West Pine Bills will find it interesting that they were using the molten FIBA ball, which I still think is a really, really cool looking ball. I wish, uh, I think the NBA should, should do a little something different with their ball. And uh, I know the WNBA still does something a little bit different. Um, but I've always loved the international ball. Uh, I thought, I think it's just really cool. Uh, the crowd was small. Um, they were attentive, some cheering, not too much, a couple oohs and ahs on, on mostly Terrence Hargrove alley-oops. Um, obviously, you said Forrester and Okoro took a trip home, or Forrester took a trip home. Okoro had an illness. I believe they, somebody confirmed non-COVID. I, we still have to do that. Great. Um, first impressions. Uh, well, I'll start with Pickett because... Pickett, when I first saw Pickett, it was, uh, I mean, this dude is a unit. Uh, he is going to be a physical nightmare for guards in this conference. I mean, Jordan Goodwin, but like stocky. Mm. Uh, so I will be really interested uh, to see where he fits in on the floor um, and who he guards, who, who does he, who teams guard, have guard him. Uh, I, I think he could be a good, 
Um, I, I, I think it's possible that Travis Ford is trying to recreate Jordan Goodwin um, and hitting that role specifically. But in a bigger package, I mean, how, how tall right. would you say Pickett is? Is he about six seven or so? Oh, I couldn't. I, I didn't. I actually, I like to sit up kind of higher for these, so I don't get necessarily close. Mm. But he's a big boy. He's tall. You know, Kramer height, maybe like an Ellis, a Cody Ellis height. Yeah, six seven. So, uh, so speaking of tall, the one big man we did have in the house uh, mm-hmm. was uh, was Momo Cisse. Um, what would you think? Uh, first impressions of of the young big man? Yeah, I think he's he's young. He's got a lot of skill for a young big man. Uh, took a lot of outside shots. Not a good success rate, but I like that he maybe even has that. Uh, uh, he can put that fear into teams. Uh, I've I always wanted that with, uh, you know, a guy like like I said, Cartier Gordon. I think I talked to that. Uh, I wish he would have had a, a more of an outside look. Um, he was called out at least twice by Ford for not being where he needed to be in a drill. Hmm. Uh, maybe behind the learning curve. Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't remember if he was a late start to the game of basketball. Uh, and, and maybe it could also be just a language barrier as well, uh, a communication issue. And, and I mean, that that's completely understandable. Yeah, I think both of those are going to be a factor with him. I mean, we, you know, we in our interview with him, uh, which was great, by the way, and I recommend yes. people go back and check it out. There clearly is a, a, a language, yes. uh, there, you know, barrier. There's going to be a little bit of a curve there, um, which is fine. You know, he's learning quickly. He has only been playing for a few years um as he told us and he's played in a number of different places um so he hasn't really been one place for more than like a year at a time uh so naturally you're gonna have you we know, saw huge... with tj kind of right i mean on yeah a, T- on the TJ, coaching a, side. a guy who had five different coaches in his high school career i mean like th- that's just it's not the most conducive to really instilling you know uh, uh, uh the backbone of learning in, in a player but uh no i mean from everything i'm hearing the the raw material is there for him to be a, a you know to have some incredible upside but uh we we have a legacy in the house too what do you see from uh larry hughes the second i mean i thought i thought he was the standout of the day honestly hmm. um i was super impressed with what i saw from him uh he was money from three at one point i turned to the guy i was sitting next to i said have have you seen larry hughes two miss in the last like 20 minutes he's like i can't remember i can't recall him missing once the drill started uh very impressive shot um just really comfortable uh ready to go and it seems like he could uh, be an option off the bench in case of foul trouble or uh, I know he's got point guard some point guard pedigree uh, maybe yeah I mean I've always looked at him as more of a shooter with some size um, but uh, it's it's reassuring to know that he, he looks apart because um, you know I don't think anybody was really expecting to see much of him this year no uh, what I, about, I mean uh, well, well we didn't even expect like it wasn't like a lot of people have talked about him as if, you know, he's walking on because he's a project. Right. And he may not, may not have been like, I don't want to say 
trying to think of the word. He may not have uh, been worthy of a scholarship this year yet. Mm. Uh, that was kind of the kind of the in the ether about him. It felt like that. Felt like the attitude. And I think he's kind of proven that he's he's ready to go, and he's a D one player from freshman year. Yeah. Um, how about uh, Parker? Uh, did did he do anything to kind of stand out to you? Not really. Um, I, I didn't. He didn't. You know, he both him and I mean we'll talk about Perkins in a minute, but Parker just didn't wasn't noticeable. Uh, and maybe that's a good thing. Maybe. Maybe Parker is that kind of snake in the grass. I, I don't know, but it'll be interesting to see what happens come season start, and maybe he's not ready yet. Well, and also I wonder if um, if his game might be well served in a scrimmage format on uh, on Friday. So, you know, we, we might see more from him then. Um, what about the other two freshmen, uh, uh, Thames and Kramer? Any Anything from those guys? Uh, well, Kramer is a big body. Um, yeah. Yeah, it... it Again, I think I think I was most impressed by Larry Hughes too. So kind of everybody fell to the wayside in a lot of ways. Uh, Kramer looked good, comfortable, um, confident. Uh, just I, I'm not sure what to expect quite yet. Uh, Thames, uh, impressive athlete, uh, plays above the rim, uh, reminded me a lot of a further along TJ Hargrove um, has that wherewithal that basketball IQ that maybe TJ uh, hasn't quite developed yet uh, because of his unstable coaching situation. Uh, but I, I really like Thames and I think he's ready to play immediately. Wow. Yeah, that's great. I mean, he also, I, I like the idea of him being kind of a complete guard um, you know, Yuri kind of can struggle sometimes with bigger, and I think that'll be a valuable um, practice matchup for both of those guys. Yeah. So I want to flip it over to the returning players. And, I, I, you know, the guy everybody is probably most curious to see is Javante Perkins and, and how he's, you know, coming along um, now that he's, what, uh, nine, ten months removed from that catastrophic knee injury? Catastrophic's the right word, Pete. Um yeah, he showed signs of rust, in my opinion. Uh, not as money in the drills uh, as he had been, you know, throughout his career that we've seen from him. Uh, I know, you know, one of them, he he got frustrated. He pulled up for a jumper at, at the elbow, as he loves to do, and it got iron and, and, and came out, and... He slapped his hands together and was not happy. So uh, I think I think it's going to take him a minute to get, you know, that the skill that we know he has back to game speed. Um, obviously, he's got the fitness, he's got the skill, but it's where those two intersect that I think Perkins still has a lot to work out. We talked about on another show. Um, there's also the factor of his knee is just going to feel different for a while and he's got to get used to playing on that. And you got to trust it. He, that's exactly right. Like there's always, there's going to be that thing in your brain that says, you know, I'm a little off. I don't feel right. Um, and in this early action, it's, I think it's pretty natural that he's going to show some of that, uh, some of that rust. Um, how about Jimerson? Uh, what, what, what did our, our sharpshooter show you? 
not not much shooting you know it was he wasn't noticeable and i don't know if mm-hmm. uh it's just that he blended in quite a bit because he was so visible last season and and you know we've got these shiny new toys that are coming in so to speak uh and you're wanting to see uh what we have new to work with and maybe jimerson just blended and uh you know he's always been kind of an unassuming guy uh not flashy uh you know, works hard, puts his nose down and, you know, just does what needs needs to be done. Um, so, yeah, he didn't, you know, these these are for the, the flashy players, the guys that are dunking, the guys, you know. Um, he took a couple threes from what I remember, but I think I just was so interested to see these new guys that maybe some of the older guys blended in unfairly for me. Yeah. So, so was this maybe more suited to the skill set of uh, Hargrove? Yeah, I think his is above the rim play. Him and obviously Thames. Um, you know, he shot it. He had a couple threes, and and they were not close. Uh, that's a little concerning. But again, we're talking about a different ball too. Um, right. So, and they've been playing with it, I'm sure, for a couple. You know, since they started practice. But still, it's a different ball is a different ball. Um, I mean, it's not, you know, there's sure you could talk about Under Armour versus Adidas versus Spalding versus Wilson, but when you go into a whole nother like seam set, that's kind of, that feels like it could throw somebody like Hargrove off a guy who's not necessarily a shooter, but has a decent ability to shoot, right? Right. It's not his main focus. So he's not going to be shooting constantly like a Jimerson who's going to go in the gym and just put up 500 threes, right? Uh, in my yeah. opinion, anyway. And he was a little streaky with it this past season. He kind of had that cold snap in, I want to say, like January and early February, um, whereas he was a little more consistent the year before. You know, the press was talking to Fred Thatch. Um, I don't know if it was before or after practice, but he said he had two weeks left to decide whether he'll pursue his PhD or a second master's degree. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, see for real. Um, but he said he'll, he'll make the decision based on how his body's holding up and 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 in his quote, how long I want to be here. Um, huh. in, in practice, did you see, uh, did, did he kind of feel like an old man who was maybe kind of looking at his last year ahead or maybe somebody who has two left in him? I, I don't know. You know, I think he did mention, like they introduced themselves and, you know, Obviously, Colin said he was a senior. I don't remember what Thatch said, but I was surprised that Colin said he was a senior. I I didn't even realize he was. Um, But, yeah, I think, I mean, he looked good out there. I mean, the dude sweats like an animal. But, like, (laughs) I mean, yeah, the only thing I noticed of him is he was over near the tunnel at one point talking to people and then, I think uh, Tate called him back over. I was like, hey, get out of here. And I, so I didn't know if he was like getting, you know, some, some pickles and some turkey or whatever, but yeah. wasn't sure. But he looked good. Um, looked strong. Looked, uh, looked ready to go. Yeah. You know what? I, I want to jump back to Thames because Thames made one of the moves of the practice. And I forgot about this until just now. He ball faked on a drive he ball faked dishing it to somebody down under the hoop and then just drove it in and it was it was slick 
and it, that was that was really impressive. That was the move of the uh, of the uh, of the practice. All right, love to hear it. So, um, so then we've got Yuri Collins, who's really the last guy to cover. And honestly, I think the thing we're most interested um, right now in talking about is what was the kind of fan vibe toward Collins in this one? Um, you know, g- given that his offseason included kind of uh, um, dipping his toe in the waters of, of going pro and transferring and, y- y- we, you know, we don't need to relitigate the whole situation, but uh, how, how do we feel about him after that whole saga? You know, I look at him and whether fairly or unfairly, I, I feel things, right? Um, and again, we can't change how, like we can, we can move on eventually, but in the moment it's, it's hard to adjust how you feel. And I think for me personally, I really, I, it's almost like a loss and and this is stupid and childish a little bit, uh, but a loss of trust and a loss of confidence in him to be the leader of the team. And again, this is not. You know, I'm not saying I dislike Yuri. I'm not saying I don't want him to be a Billiken. I'm just saying that I was a little hurt. Um, And I I mean, like, whether or not that's childish and silly and dumb, that I'm this, that I'm this kind of emotionally invested in a sports team. I mean, I've seen worse out of people in sports. So... I'm going to be okay with the fact that I look at him with a little bit of a, a blue lens in the negative. Um, I, I think, uh, I, I wonder about uh, what kind of, um, whether people will turn on him if he struggles, right? Uh, you know, he had moments where he turned the ball over quite a bit. Billiken fans stood behind him, right? Now, he toys with transferring, goes out this season, and he struggles. Do Billiken fans start to sour a little bit? Do they maybe voice displeasure in the form of booze? I don't know. I'm just saying it changes reactions to things, right? It does, yeah, fair or unfair, and um, I so so. It sounds like you think there's going to be more pressure on him to perform this year. I think there could be, and I think there should be uh, when you when you flirt with the idea of you know going to the big time, the SEC, and you think that you know whether or not it's they're going to offer you more money or you want a chance to win at, at a higher level. I think. I think if you put the expectation that you can do that on yourself, then Billiken fans are going to do that and more. Uh, again, fairly or unfairly. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I not think, to. I think the expectations at least, you know, uh, they're at least one and a half times, right? Like, it just seems like it seems like if you're gonna if you're gonna feel like you are an sec player then you better show that on the court this year yeah i think i think all of that's right and, and not to mention just the the bar he set for himself you know leading the nation in assists um in a season and then being that that veteran senior leader coming back um you've already got that huge pressure add in the whole um 
will he, won't he, um, the, the declaration for pros that lasted a little bit, and the, the whole layer of NIL on top of all of this without anyone knowing the terms of what all that went down. Um, yeah, I think you're right. I think there's a lot of pressure on him to perform this year. And it, it also has to do with the fact that expectations on the team as a whole are kind of high. So it's going to be a really interesting year for, uh, for Yuri Collins. Yeah, I, I'm interested to see how it plays out. I think, uh, I think I, once, it, it, once he has an outstanding game, I think my feelings, I'll start to move on uh, completely. Yeah. Uh, but that's just the nature of emotions and sports. Yeah. yeah. Um, Pete, there's a new guy on the bench. His name is Lamont Evans IV. Uh, yeah. So if you want to introduce him and then I can kind of give you a rundown of how, uh, what he, what his role was at the practice, I guess, or what he did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so you did a little sleuthing to kind of figure out who this was. And, very uh, little, very little and, and very <laughs> much a, a gamble. Okay. Well, so, so he's a transfer from, from South Florida where he was a preferred walk-on. Um, and it seems like he would have a similar role at SLU. Um, he's listed at about six foot 155. So he's on the smaller size. He was um, very small. Yeah. Now his dad was actually an assistant coach at South Carolina under Frank Martin. And then he went to Oklahoma state when, uh, I think Mike Boynton was hired there. Um, he was named in under an FBI investigation in September of 2017, eventually convicted of taking bribes to influence, um, players, um, they, the, these incidents allegedly occurred at, at South Carolina. Um, but, you know, that's his dad. Obviously, it has nothing to do with him. It's just kind of an, in, an interesting connection that his dad was one of those assistant coaches who was caught up in that whole FBI um, investigation. Uh, meanwhile, Travis Ford says he's still possibly looking to fill the 13th scholarship and looking at a couple different options. Um, but yeah, new, new walk on from South Florida and, um, you know, another guy for for Yuri Collins to go up against in practice. What was he like at the, uh, at the event itself? Yeah, he really, uh, really filled all the important walk on roles, uh, didn't play, uh, bounced the ball around for the entire practice and gave daps when, 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 uh, <laughs> when, uh, when it was required. So he was, he was a really good walk on in this practice. Yeah. I'm assuming that paperwork hasn't come through. Right. Or, was he in street clothes or was, uh, was he, he was up? in practice gear, but you could like, you looked at his shoes and you knew he wasn't going to do anything. Gotcha. Like he was wearing basketball shoes, but they were like lows. Like, uh, yeah, right. They almost look like the basketball equivalent of like a, like a, uh, a converse or a, Stefan Janoski Nike shoe, I guess, if anybody knows what the hell those are. Um, but yeah, I, I think I love, I kind of, I forgot how much of a connection uh, Lamont Evans, you know, kind of tangentially had to the A-10 and that obviously now even more so with Frank Martin. Uh, and then of course, when we found, when everyone f heard Lamont Evans in Oklahoma State back when he was, uh, uh, indicted or whatever. Um, I think everybody furiously went to Oklahoma State's or to his work history to see if it crossed paths with Travis Ford. Uh, so I thought that was kind of funny. Um, yeah, no, I, I, uh, I like this addition and, and anytime 
you can add somebody who's a little older and I mean, he brings a, a, you know, experience already as a walk on. So, um, and, and I, and I hope he, I hope Travis does fill that 13th scholarship, whether it be, you know, uh, with this kid or with, uh, with another guy. So, um, yeah, I, I, I actually, yeah, he introduced himself on the microphone as Lamont Evans, uh, from Florida. And so I just Googled Lamont Evans basketball, saw him on South Florida's website, and then it said he was from Florida. So I was like, well, how many Lamont Evans in Florida can there be? And clearly there's at least four. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and his home, it's not just South Florida. His hometown is listed as Hollywood, Florida, uh, which is in the, uh, like, well, you know, the nor north of Miami. You know what the last Billiken from a, from a Hollywood was? Oh God, is this, uh, um, he was also under six feet. Mick broom. Yeah. 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 yeah don't need another one of those, but, uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll take i I'll take Evans as a walk off. Um, the good news is that anytime Austin McBroom spends on YouTube, it's seeing people talk shit on him. That is the only saving grace. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, the next scrimmage will be Friday, August 5th at 5 p.m. Uh, I will see you there. Also, shout out Joel Hall while we're at it. Uh, it was great to meet him. Uh, great friend of the show. Great supporter of the show. Uh, really appreciate uh, you know all your stuff on Twitter, your history. Uh, you're the thread god. So uh, you, please change your... like twitter handled a thread god because that's 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 the best thing i've ever come up with um <laughs> anyway uh yeah the whole team will be available friday uh full scrimmage so get on down to Shafitz and check out the billikens um pete what's the uh what's the itinerary here for the uh for the european trip yeah, so Ford's been talking about how excited he is for this trip. I think they're all doing their research now about uh, places they want to go while they're over there, what they want to see. They take off on Friday, August 12th, so a week after um, you know this Friday scrimmage. Um, their first game will be in, in Madrid on the 14th. Um, in the meantime, they're also going to visit SLU's Madrid campus, which is pretty cool. Um, then they're going to head down to Valencia. Uh, they don't play a game there, but it's just another stop along the way. From there, they go to Florence, where they're supposed to play a game on the 17th. And after Florence, they'll finish up in Rome, um, playing a game on the 19th. And then they'll return back to St. Louis on Sunday, the 21st. So um, over a week, four, you know, beautiful European cities, three games. And uh, it sounds like it's going to be a trip of a lifetime. Uh, Pete, have you ever been to Madrid, Valencia, Florence or Rome? I have not. No. Well, I was going to. What about have, you? No. I haven't been uh, on the other side of the world. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. No, I've been to other European cities, but not those. I was going to have you offer suggestions to our oh. uh, young Billikens. <laughs> uh, I, I can't help with that. I haven't been to Europe in like a decade. So, yeah, I, anything I did know is probably uh, pretty stale by now, anyway. <laughs> uh, Let's talk recruiting, Pete. Your bread and butter, right here. Um, uh, just uh, take it away. Yeah. Because uh, there's a lot. Well, actually, let's talk about some some top X tweets. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, there's a lot of good stuff to talk about um, recruiting wise. Um, you know, it's funny, like we said a week ago, there was nothing to talk about. And then all of a sudden we made the top five for Dalen Davis, along with K-State, uh, Murray State, Princeton and Harvard. Um, so just as a reminder, Davis recently got a slew offer. He's a point guard out of Chicago's Whitney Young High School, uh, where Miles Reynolds came from. Um, and he plays his AAU ball for Mean Streets, just finished up his UIBL season and uh, led them in scoring this year. Um, the team that kind of spreads out the scoring a little bit, but um, he kind of played a combo one, two guard role. Um, so, so pretty exciting there to be, to be featured among a pretty unique top five, uh, SLU and K-State are the more recent offers. The Ivies, Murray State have kind of been in, involved a little bit longer, I think. Uh, but it's also good to see, uh, SLU making inroads in Chicago again. And then we made the top eight for Jamiron Keller, um, along with Oklahoma State, TCU, Texas, K-State, VCU, Stephen F. Austin and Oral Roberts, um, another pretty unique list. Uh, so slu has been on him a while, offered back in April. Um, he's from Ellison High School down in Texas and played with Drive Nation this EYBL season. Um, and he led them to a Peach Invitational Championship. The Peach Invitational, think of it as like the consolation bracket to the Peach Jam. Um, so his team goes 8-0 in that. And he was really kind of their key piece. Tough, talented combo guard. I think SLU fans would like him a lot. And um, he said he's going to make his decision on August 14th, always subject to change. Um, but, uh, but that would be a, a pretty quick turnaround after naming his, uh, his top eight. But it's, it's nice to be, to be part of that one as well and, and start seeing like, you know, the, these, we're going to hit on one of these, uh, these Texas guys sooner or later. You know, I'm looking at the offers for Dalen Davis, and, and I'll tell you why I think he's going to pick the Billikens. All right. Look at the, you've got K-State and Murray State, two very whatever state schools academically. Mm -hmm. You've got Princeton and Harvard, two Ivy League academic schools. And then you've got St. Louis University, which is a, like a wonderful mix of like, uh, you know, a relaxed college atmosphere and academics. He's, he's right. looking, you know, he's, I think we're right in that median of, of the, the other four schools. And I think we're right there. I yeah. think he, what he really wants is slew, but he's eyeing the, the, you know, the extreme ends of the other. Yeah. So slew's kind of that, uh, that sweet spot in, in the middle. Now, now Davis is a guy, he had offers from DePaul, Illinois, Northwestern, Nebraska, uh, South Carolina, Stanford, you know, um, some more uh, Valley schools. Um, so, so he's, a, he's a guy who had some pretty high level offers. I don't know how many of those offers would still be committable. I'm guessing not many, you know, some of those kind of came earlier in his recruitment. Um, and he's got a, a lot of high level interest. He's a pretty intriguing player and, you know, he hasn't given a timeline for commitment either. So I'd like to see him get out and take uh, some more visits and slew be one of those. I'm guessing that would be his plan is to get out to SLU and K-State. Maybe he's already been to the others. I don't know, because they've been in a little bit longer. Um, but uh, but yeah, regardless, I, I think you're kind of onto something there with SLU being the, the sweet spot in the middle of that five. Um, let's talk about the 2023 offers that we have out now. There, there's uh, three new ones specifically. 
Yeah, and I'm excited about all, all of these offers. I, I like these a lot. Kyle Pock is uh, about a 6'6", 190 uh, small forward from Boliv Bolivar High School, uh, which is down in southwestern Missouri. He was on that Mocan Elite team that just won the Peach Jam, um, which means he goes from a relatively little-known recruit in southwestern Missouri to someone that now everybody in the country has seen play. And his, you know, his offer list has blown up accordingly. Um, so he's a sharpshooter. Uh, like I said, he's got good size at 6'6". He moves really well off the ball. Efficient scorer on all three levels. Really um, good, good shot selection. Solid defender. Very smart player. He's a 4-0 student. He also plays tennis, I uh, which I kind of like. Yeah. He said he's interested in biomedical engineering um, in college. And SLU's got a program, a BME program. Um, so maybe that's something that could give us a little edge there. Um, but a lot of, but like I said, a lot of other schools have jumped in lately. So it's going to be an interesting race. His other offers right now are um, Northern Iowa, Missouri State, Indiana State, UIC, SEMO, South Dakota State, um, Oral Roberts, and Lipscomb. And then he, he just visited Princeton recently. So I, I think um, uh, in addition to those offers, you know, and, and when you look at that list, SLU really does look like maybe the most attractive one. Um, in terms of like program level, uh, but there's a lot of high level interest too. So it's going to be interesting to see whether any, you know, higher level programs get involved in the fall or if they kind of, you know, wait around to see if he's there in the spring uh, when they're not hitting on all their transfer targets. Um, yeah, I, I, I got to tell you, I'm 33 years old and I still don't know what biomedical engineering is. <laughs> so did you know any of them at SLU? Their whole thing was because uh, it's BME and, and they had these shirts that were like, you wish you could be me or you want to be me or something like that. Uh, that's really, the kind of humor I would expect from a bio. That's yeah, bio. very, very specific type of person. Um, but we've got an, another offer out. Um, this guy's 6'8", 195, power forward. Uh, Darion Baker out of Hillcrest High School, not Hillcrest Prep, but Hillcrest High School, which is in the south suburbs of uh, Chicago. Um, he played AAU for Team Rose, which is an Adidas uh, Three Stripes brand, um, you know, AAU circuit. He's, a, he's like a tough hybrid power forward with a good offensive skill set. Um, he can shoot it, handle it, work inside. Nice versatility as a defender. He rebounds, plays hard. I really like the look of him on video and, and every, every time there's, there's a newer one, he looks like he's made progress. Um, he's up to almost 20 offers now, mostly in the last two months. So he's really blown up lately. Um, barely had any offers before June, maybe just a couple. And, and now it's really the Valley, the Mac, the horizon have most of his offers. And then he's got, you know, five or six others from outside those conferences. Again, SLU might be the highest profile school right now um but it could be a matter of time before uh before the higher level schools get involved and and you know uh and once again that might be a spring time uh kind of schedule so if he's a guy who commits in the fall uh, um we, we probably have a better edge there too um and then this this last one in 2023 is a kid named bryce Lindsay, and this one's really intriguing because He's got a little bit different uh, story arc than the others. He's kind of like 6'4", 175, 180 pound uh, guard from Baltimore. He graduated from St. Francis Academy in Baltimore. Big Wire fan. 
That's right. And he plans to take a prep year at IMG Academy in Florida. So he had originally committed to South Carolina and Frank Martin back in January. Uh, after the coaching change, he decommitted. And then, you know, rather than go somewhere else, he reclassified to take a prep year. Um, but his lead recruiter at South Carolina was Will Bailey. So here comes Slew into the mix uh, late. And, uh, you know, he's, he's like a combo guard who can play either guard position. He's, he's always been more of a point guard, but I think he can do either in college. And part of that is because he's just an absolute lights out shooter, unlimited range. He'll pull up like Steph Curry style from anywhere. Um, but he's also a good playmaker, great handles. He's kind of elusive getting to the basket. So it's kind of an intriguing one because not only is Slew getting involved um, at, at an interesting stage here where his, you know, recruitment's been a little quiet after the initial kind of rush after he reopened. Um, but he, he does I, it, look, I mean, Travis Ford said he's kind of looking at options for the last scholarship this year. I mean, I guess there's an outside chance somebody like this could pull the plug on IMG and head to college. Now um, you never know. I, I don't, I don't know if he would because there's not as much playing time as there's going to be next year but that's certainly on the table, I think. Yeah, that's an intriguing possibility that I I, I got to be honest. It, again, recruiting is your bread and butter. It's not mine. That kind of thing is totally not on my radar. It's it's That is a huge blind spot. For me. Well, I, I, I got to give Jack Godar some credit for that one. Um, he's the first one who posted on Twitter. It was one of those things where I was like, do I want to say this right now or right away? And then like almost immediately there's Jack uh, responding to one of our tweets with that. And I was kind of like, yeah, there it is. Um, it, it's, it's an interesting thought for sure. Uh, let's talk about 2025. We're heading back to the Wolverines. Yeah. Uh, this is our third offer um, recently to a, to a Vashon player. This is um, Nicholas Randall, who's at six, seven, 200 pound power forward out of Vashon um, plays AAU with Brad Beal elite. And, uh, and man, is he an impressive looking young big. He moves incredibly well, uh, smart, efficient game. He kind of knows where the defenders are at all times and knows how to free himself up for easy finishes. Like really go, go watch his highlights and you're like, oh, wow, I can't believe this kid's only going to be a sophomore. Um, he, he really has a sense uh, of, of how to play the game down low. Um, he's a high level defender. He rebounds both ends. He's great in transition. Uh, I think he's going to be awesome for Rashawn this season. Um, Slew's only his third offer after Mizzou and K-State. So he's starting out with high level offers. And, uh, and like I said, this is Slew's third offer to a Vashon player in the last few weeks. So, um, I think it's pretty safe to say we're, we're pretty heavily involved with, uh, with the V again. Um, so yeah, so I'll, I'll be, I'll be watching that program closely. Cause we, you know, we might not be done. They've got more D one prospects on the roster. Uh, we're, we're a uh, PG 13 show. Please don't, uh, refer to the V again. Um, <laughs> I was keeping it safe. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Jesus. uh, no, it's, it's kind of crazy how much of a 180 we've done. And I, I really wonder, uh, what, what the, what spurred that on? Uh, I'd love to get, uh, to pick Travis's brain on that. Cause it's, it's interesting that, uh, that we kind of have really reinvigorated our efforts there. I think a lot of it is timing. Um, you know, I think some of the, the players on their team are just kind of hitting their stride at the right time. Um, you know, there's the, they've got a couple young 
2025 players who are kind of blowing up at the same time. They've got a couple 2023 players, one of who just won a, a title with Mocan. Um, that, that are blowing up at the right time. And I think SLU knew they had to be in the mix on those guys. And then they've got a couple other prospects who um, you never know. We might, we might get in the mix on them as well. You know, somebody like Jaden Nicholson, who's been a little more established as a, as a high level recruit, but who's um, you know, whose recruitment kind of slowed down um, over the past few years is, is a guy to keep an eye on. Um and then, uh, and then they have one more player. Why am I forgetting his name right now? But uh, oh, Jordan Logan um, is the other one. He's a 2023 power forward. And uh, he just got his first D1 recruit. Um, he's probably going to be on a spring timeline since he's kind of a late bloomer. Uh, but, uh, but another guy who really jumps out on film. So, um, yeah, the, the, I'm going to be watching Vashon very, very closely. And we actually have breaking news right now as, as I am. Do we have of, a director of basketball operations? We do not. But wow. one more piece of recruiting news. Uh, Michaela Rich from East St. Louis, uh, who I love, by the way, as a prospect, uh, just named his top seven. Um, SLU is in there along with Mizzou, uh, K-State, Ole Miss, VCU. Uh, shocking vcu offering uh, a bill can recruit in st louis it's just what they do man and then uh he's also got uh uic and eastern michigan in there which are um uh interesting choices but yeah there's uh there's the top seven for michaela bridge from east st louis so uh breaking breaking news <laughs> well you heard it here first folks well actually you heard it on twitter first but uh, yeah you might have heard it on twitter like uh or, or instagram in the last 30 30 to 60 minutes based on when we're recording this but regardless uh, that wasn't in the notes well it also wasn't the news that i thought you were going to break which was potential director of basketball operations yeah still nothing on that front um but uh yeah i i saw I, I don't know what to say there i don't know what direction they're going i thought we'd have one by now yeah, I did too. I just, I, I wonder if they're just not, I wonder if they want to get through this trip. I, I you know, it, that, I feel like that could be an issue. You know, it would be, I don't know, a lot of paperwork, uh, you know, extra money they have to spend. They could maybe go on, like, do some excursion with that money. I don't know. Uh, just a thought. I don't know. Women's basketball, just a couple of notes, nothing much. They finished up last summer practice. Uh, and Saval Ghul has been playing for Turkey in, uh, I believe, World Championship lead-up games. Uh, and, you know, no stats. I tried, guys. I really, I really did a little work looking for stats, and I found nothing. Uh, men's soccer. Uh, we're getting ready for soccer season, Pete. And uh, Billiken fans need to wake up. <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. I mean, uh, men's soccer is now ranked number number 10 in the preseason poll that was just released today by the United Soccer Coaches. Uh, so, so 10th in the country coming off a year where we put six draft picks in the MLS Super Draft um, after finishing, um, you know, uh, after after losing to Washington in the Elite Eight of the of the tournament. What do you think this high ranking is all about, Zach? I mean, there's I think there's a few different explanations, but we don't return that many players. So, so to be ranked this high is kind of a statement. 
confidence in Kevin Kalish. Uh, I think Kevin has proven himself to be a worthy recruiter and an even better coach. Uh, he's put teams in position to succeed that had deficiencies. Look at the year before we went to the Elite Eight. Uh, that team did a lot and was missing, you know, a, a pure goal scorer. Uh, I think it's a legacy pick as well, which is fine. Um, and, and I think that that core you mentioned, Komodi, um, Klein, Sternberg, Micah, Buendia, and Anderson. What about you? What are you thinking? Yeah, I mean, that, that it's a solid core. Um, you know, Klein, obviously the guy who led the uh, the whole D1 and in, in assists last season, 15, um, and a couple of his targets and some solid defenders are back. I think the United soccer coaches, I mean, th there's a lot of rankings that they do in terms of like high school players and, um, and, 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 you know, various positional players throughout college as well. We've got an incoming class of 14 and five of those are D one transfers. And, and some of those are pretty high level players, you know, who played at really good programs. So I think they're looking at a roster that's kind of reloaded more than a roster that's been depleted. I think that has a lot to do with it. There's a lot of guys coming in who are very highly ranked um, talents. And, and yeah, I mean, some of this is probably a little bit of goodwill um, based on last season's team that completely outperformed expectations. They were kind of a fringe top 25 team to start the year and they were undefeated on, until that, that loss against Washington. And then I think, um, I think like you said, legacy, some of this is the assumption that this is going to be a top flight program until it's not until further notice. Um, so I think there's, there's some reputation built into this as well. Absolutely. Um, Pete, give us some fast facts on, on this ranking and how it compares historically. So this is the highest preseason ranking since number four, uh, slew is number four heading into the 2004 season. Um, which would have been my senior year. Um, it's the highest ranking, uh, or, sorry, the, the highest ranking that they achieved last season was somehow just number eight, despite spending most of the season, like I said, undefeated, and then proceeding to make the Elite Eight. Um, shows you how much weight a preseason ranking has, how much that perception has on how a team is ranked throughout the year. You have to, if you're starting outside the rankings, you really have to earn that top 10 spot. Um, and then the only ranked opponent on the schedule this year is actually just the exhibition game, number 19, Missouri State, first exhibition, which will play down in Springfield on the 14th. Uh, at this time, no, no regular season opponents are ranked, uh, but we do have a strong schedule regardless. I mean, this isn't, it's not all, um, you know, cream puffs on the schedule. We're playing a lot of tough teams, SMU, UIC, Lipscomb is a good team, um, Creighton is on there. Um, these are good programs, and, and and even though none of them are top twenty-five right now, a lot of them have the potential to play their way in. So, um, so it's going to be a challenging schedule. But this is this is a statement. It's a it's a high uh, it's a high ranking to come into the season with, and it and it certainly sets the bar for expectations. Yeah, it, it, that, I mean, anytime you uh, represent the Billikens in soccer, whether it be on the men's and now on the women's side. Uh, you have expectations and you, and you have to perform and there is that pressure. Uh, a couple games coming up, not before we record our next episode, but uh, the Billikens will be in action on 814, as you said, at Missouri State, who's number 19 in the nation. Uh, and then on the 20th versus Omaha. So those are the two exhibitions on the schedule. Uh, over on the women's side, uh, 
we have some some staff news uh, that broke, uh, I think, last week. Yeah, Peyton Bauman or Bowman? How do, how do I want to say that? I'm going to go name? with Bauman. She joins the staff as director of operations, which is a newly created position for the program. Um, she was actually a goalkeeper at Missouri um, and, and had to medically retire after her redshirt sophomore season um, just due to ongoing injuries. She graduated in 2021 and then took a grad assistant job down at Murray State. Um, she's going to pursue her MBA at SLU. Uh, and just a couple fun facts about her. She was, she was a St. Louisan by birth um, and, uh, and has several generations of SLU grads in her family. Um, but she actually graduated from the same high school in Texas that uh, Phil Forte and Marcus Smart went to. Um, so even though she, she went to school down there, she's, uh, she's a St. Louisan uh, by, by blood. So that's, uh, it's kind of nice to have uh, somebody with so much of a slew legacy back uh, um, on campus. Uh, they've obviously already started practicing. Um, and that kicked off, they said training camp on Monday, the first, which seems late to me, but, um, they're, they're, they're using the new facility now, which is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, so they've shared some stuff on their social media. I think these are like the first full official practices. I'm sure they've had some stuff going on, but this is like practice practice. And, uh, and yeah, it's cool to see the soccer teams, um, using that, that nice new facility down at the, uh, the south end of Herman Stadium, um, which is really cool. Now, this team, unlike the men's team, they, they're not ranked in the preseason coaches poll. Um, even though on this 31-player uh, roster, they've got 23 returners, and those returners accounted for all of their scoring last season, all but one assist. So they've lost virtually nothing. Um, and yet, no love, no love in the rankings. Uh, which is, which is kind of, I don't know. I was a little surprised by that. What, what did you think about that? Yeah, I didn't really get much of a chance to look at it, honestly, but I mean, it's surprising. Uh, I think, you know, again, it's still not, we still don't get that legacy pick, I think with this team yet. And then mm. I think a couple more years and we'll start to get that. Uh, this team's good until further notice ranking. Right. Yeah, I think you're right. But they do have some ranked opponents that they're playing Massive this season. Massive schedule. Yeah. Gauntlet. Yeah, they, they start with number six, Arkansas, at home on the 18th of August. A week later, they'll take on number 16, Notre Dame. And then they play number 24, uh, preseason ranked Xavier, um, on the road on September 8th, which is a Thursday. So a tough one for St. Louisans to, uh, to get to. But I think I'll take the family out there that night. That's just a few miles away from me. Um, so this is a really, you know, they're not ranked now, but um, like I said, this team returns a ton fr uh, from a program that won a game in the tournament last year, won the, uh, the A-10 tournament. Um, so don't sleep on them. And they've, they've got a schedule that gives them a ton of opportunity to climb up into the rankings pretty fast if they can uh, pull off a couple wins here. Yeah, I agree. And I'm excited for these exhibitions, although, well, I should say I, I'm interested to see uh, how the new facility is used and how it affects the game day, um, the the like the lead up to the kickoff. Because obviously, in previous years, uh, you know the teams would come down on opposite sides to the benches, and uh, you know I I wondered if maybe they would do a little bit more fanfare with the 
the start kind of the way they do in the pro leagues. I don't know, but um, uh, it, it'll be interesting to see uh, the walk out, I think, uh, and, and how that looks. I'm still bummed they didn't do anything with the, with the, with the scoreboard or the, uh, the roof of the new facility. That, that roof would have been prime, like alum, soccer alumni only or all-inclusive package area. That would have been sweet. Um, Never yeah, know. Maybe, maybe know. someday. Maybe someday. I know. I know. I think I mentioned that uh, when I got a little tour of the facility. Um, volleyball. They finally released their full schedule, and it is whelming. <laughs> Just whelming, which I know is your your feeling uh, for the program in in general. I'm uh, whelmed. <laughs> Yes, they, they have delivered a schedule um, actually just a couple hours before we began recording. So again, a, a lot of news fell into our laps this week. Um, they'll start out with an exhibition on the 17th against uh, Carbondale at Chaffetz Pavilion. And then they'll head down to the Arkansas State Invitational uh, August 26th and 27th playing Arkansas State, Little Rock, and Mississippi Valley State. Any, Randy any... Moss is alma mater, right? Randy no, Ma that's, that's uh, Delta... That's a Val. Never mind. Oh, okay. All right. That's the Delta Devils. I think that's them, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I think that's Randy Moss's or who's Terrell Owens. I don't know. One of the like. No, Randy time. Moss went to Marshall. Um, One of the like, big time receivers went to Mississippi. Was it Delta Boys. Devil? All right. Yeah. Well, then they've got the Billiken Invitational on campus. Uh, um, September 2nd and 3rd, they'll, they'll host Youngstown State, St. Thomas, and Central Michigan. So, so in these first two invitationals, Zach, are you, any big name opponents there in, in the world of volleyball? Uh, I haven't been following volleyball that closely outside of the Billikens. Yeah. Um, but I will say that it was uh, Jerry Rice who went to Mississippi Valley State. Oh, there you go. Um yeah, no, I mean, I think, I think our biggest games are, you know, those Kansas City, Missouri State games because uh, the, the MVC is good at volleyball. Um, Summit League is good at volleyball. These smaller conferences tend to put out good squads. They tend to kind of, uh, you know, find a niche. Uh, and I think, uh, I, I think those will be big games. Uh, Iowa State obviously being a uh, a Big Twelve, Big Ten, Big Ten. Yeah, they're 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 still Big Twelve. Okay, yeah, and, Big and Twelve. Those, those are the three opponents in the Billiken Classic on September sixteenth and seventeenth. Yes. So that that's actually yeah, they've gotten a pretty solid event, you know, yeah. on campus. Um, Virginia Tech obviously ACC, um, but yeah, I, I I'm not really sure. Uh, I St. Thomas is brand new to Division One, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, like Lindenwood, they're kind of well. They've been in a couple of years now, um, so they're still in that transitional period where they would not be eligible for the NCAA tournament. Um, but uh, but yeah, they have transitioned in Division One, and they're they're in the Summit League along with, you know, UMKC, the Dakotas, Oral Roberts, those schools. Um, so yeah, um, and then that that DePaul Invitational, like you said, it's got Virginia Tech, also DePaul, obviously Eastern Michigan. Um, seems like it could be a solid one as well. Did, am I crazy or did, are they not doing the, uh, the alumni match this year? Did I not see that? Cause that's kind of gross that they're not doing that. 
don't know. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't see anything about it. If if they yeah, are. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 historically, at least for the last number of years, been the Megan Boken alumni match, and as you know, uh, that's kind of, uh, I guess, a, a personal relationship of mine from from when I was at SLU. So, uh, I I really hope they didn't. They mm-hmm. are doing it because uh, that was a nice little uh, tip of the cap to Megan Boken and then, uh, you know, got to see all the all the alumni back on campus. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that could also be one of those things that's still in the works and to be announced later. Yeah, it's just usually know. like, it's usually like when I'm on vacation. I, I remember it's always kind of that around that time because that's uh, when it when it happened mm-hmm. uh, back in the day. Um, one last note. Uh, before we head out, uh, just want to send off uh, Matt Cady, uh, uh, Assistant Athletic Director for Ticket Sales. I think I don't have it written down, sorry. But uh, Matt Cady's been awesome. Uh, if you've worked with the ticket office, if you've escalated anything with the ticket office, Matt Cady is the man that you probably dealt with. Uh, excellent at his job, uh, an even better human being, and, and really um has been a good friend to myself and a good friend of the show behind the scenes uh in that you know he mentions that he listens every now and then but um yeah uh, just uh he's heading out he's heading off to uh, a job outside of sports uh so best of luck to him and and it's a it's a big loss for the athletic department and uh for billiken fans i think yeah, for sure. And you nailed his title, by the way, um, assistant director of athletics and ticketing. So, um, so yeah, that's him and, and, and best of luck to Matt in his next, uh, next steps. Yeah. Um, well, that was the last two weeks that were in Billiken athletics. Uh, don't forget to follow us on all social platforms at Midtown Mad Pod on Twitter and Instagram at Peter is a tweeter and at Zach Miller MMP on Twitter uh we also appreciate any and all suggestions you have for the show our dms are always open on both twitter and instagram uh please go subscribe to the show on all platforms and at every apple store or place where you can use uh, cell phones uh if you haven't left a review don't be afraid to go drop us five stars as well as that review uh as always pete go bills go bills We'll